It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Las Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world, but could it ever become the design capital of the world? Maybe, maybe not, but it's definitely the venue for design conventions and meetings. My guest is interior designer Chris Barrett, who will be a panelist at Design West at the Las Vegas Market in Las Vegas this Sunday, January 23rd from 4 to 5 p.m. Her work has been featured in Architectural Digest, LA Decor, Milieu Magazine, and House Beautiful. For everything about Chris Barrett, go to chrisbarrettdesign.com and you can follow her on Facebook and Instagram at Chris Barrett Design and on Twitter at C Barrett Design. And Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So why are you coming to Las Vegas for this panel? Tell us a little bit about that and then we'll talk about your very busy practice on interior design. Well, I am very interested, especially this year, in seeing what is brought to market since there have been a couple of years of, I don't want to say downtime because everybody has, I think, worked more than ever, but it'd be interesting to see what the results are uh, through the pandemic. Makes sense. I'm sure you've been to Las Vegas before. I'm curious to get your take on the design of Las Vegas. Clearly, there are certain properties that have a touch of design that are along your interior design that along your path, or at least you can grab your eye. And there's others that really need design work. So uh, is it mixed feelings when you come to Las Vegas from a professional point of view? It is. It's definitely, but it's always mixed feelings when it comes to interior design. Yeah, it's very personal. I mean, what one person loves, another person doesn't love. And I am super critical because that's my nature. <laughs> um, but I think Las Vegas does have a lot of good design, and it's getting better and better. And of course, there's the exterior design, and you you specialize in interior design. So when you stay at a property, are you checking out your room for design elements? I mean, it's, it's got to be in your blood, right? Of course, you can't help it. <laughs> you always you stay there and you think about what you would have done and how it could have been either better or you're wowed and think it looks so great. Do you ever write a note to management and say, you know what, I this room was nice, but it could have used this or this or this removed. I have, I have thought about that. Then I decided, you know, who am I to say? <laughs> when, you, when you do a property, especially a hotel, you're so many things coming at you and there's reasons for everything. So say I didn't like that purple chaise in the corner, but the owner of the property had to have that. So you know, you just deal with what you're given, and it's who am I to say? It's not right. I'm just going to speculate that Las Vegas first became aware of design probably at the opening of the Mirage because of Steve Wynn's influence and how those elements were there, not only from an exterior point of view, but in, obviously an interior point of view. And I would imagine that's one of the properties that you look at and say, oh, this is a nice touch, or I might change this, but this looks good over here. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually have plans. Hopefully, there'll be time. I would like to see the Mirage. There are many things I'd like to revisit this trip. I think it works two ways with you, and correct me if I'm wrong. From an interior design point of view, you are full of suggestions for places you may stay at or visit, but on the same time, you might pick up some tips for use in your own practice. Sure, always. I'm always influenced by 
everything around good design and bad design. You know, they're saying, oh, my God, I would never do that. That's horrible. Oh, why didn't I think of that? That's so great. (laughs) For the benefit of our listeners, give us a little bit of your background. How you got involved in interior design and why that's your career as opposed to something else that you might have pursued down the road? Well, I was an actor. Ah, the truth comes out. Look at that. An actor. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let me look it up. IMDB. Okay. Well, let's see if I can find it. (laughs) Yeah, but Barrett was not my acting last name. Um, And then I had kids. And then it was sort of, oh, do I want to be worried about being too fat, too short, too blonde? So I decided, oh, I'll choose another career where I have more control and I know where my next job is coming from, which, of course, as an interior designer is exactly the same as an actor. You never know where your next job is coming from. But so be it. I'm glad I did it. Do they have, because I was just thinking when you're talking about being an actor, do they have the equivalent of a like a SAG-AFTRA on the interior design side of things? Is there a guild or is there a professional organization? There's, There's all sorts of professional organizations. There is, there's one organization that I, I belong to, which is the Institute of Classical Architecture and Art. That to me is solid background. It's more about architecture, really, and structure and scale and proportion. And I love the people who are a part of it. The architects are pretty brilliant. There are certainly a lot of organizations that you can belong to, but it's really In California, at least I have found that it isn't necessary to have that kind of an affiliation, but I think it's personally, it's beneficial to have some sort of, there's certainly the certificate of interior design, the CID, when you take the NCIDQ to become a licensed interior designer, there's that, which I did like a million years ago. You know, there's all sorts of things. Interesting. Now, this panel that you're going to be on, what are you covering with this panel and who are some of your fellow panelists that you're going to be interacting with? So on the panel, I am sharing it with Brian Paquette. He's out of Seattle. And I met him a few years ago. We did a space together on the Modernism show in a house. There's also Bregan Jane and let's see, Lori Dennis. And I think that's it. Okay. And what is the topic and why are you addressing that group that's meeting at the Las Vegas market? The topic is the future of design and how to shop market and and things like that. Well, let's take a little bit of that topic, the future of design. Who knows what the future will be because it all depends on your perspective and your approach and what's accepted by the public or what's accepted by your clients. So that's kind of a nebulous nebulous. It's a very nebulous question. And I get that question all the time. So for me, it's the question, you know, what's the future of design? It's the future that you make. You know, it's it's the choices you make and the clients you choose to have and you know what you're willing to do. And I think the future definitely has changed because we do so much virtually obviously, by this interview. And I think it's for the good. I mean, I like this new way of working very much. You still, in interior design, you still have to be in person. You still have to touch fabrics and you have to show the client the whole gamut of what the house is going to look like. And for me, that has to be in person. Although I do a lot of presentations online, 
prior to showing them more tactile things. When you work with a client, do you try to put yourself in their mindset or are you viewing yourself as someone who could steer them to a particular design? In other words, are you analyzing the person and saying, okay, I think they would like this, but I'm going to give them a little bit higher up of a level from what they thought they would like. And then they give you feedback, say, yeah, I actually like that. What is the process that you use? Well, you always hope that you can raise their level of expectation. You want them to be pleasantly surprised and love the outcome. We get to know our clients before we present them the, you know, what we think is right for the project. And we also look at the neighborhood it's in and the architecture and we meld it together with the, all the information that we have. We don't just say, oh, I think today I'm going to do Art Deco and this is it. This is your house. You know, it's very much a collaborative effort, but hopefully a high design effort. Now, you're known specifically from obviously the California base. Have you thought about branching out to Las Vegas or other cities as well? I would branch anywhere my branches will go. <laughs> I've I've been in New York and Florida and Mexico and Kentucky. I have worked all across the country. I think Las Vegas is a great market for what you do. And there's a lot of variation here. There's mid-century architecture, which would obviously encompass a different approach for interior design. But there's also very modern mansions and mega mansions and high-end housing here. So I think that that could work for you. And I don't know if you've even started to think about that, but since you're coming to Las Vegas and you'll be here Saturday, that, that might be something to look around and see, hey, you know what? This might work here, even virtually. Well, certainly if the opportunity arose, I would definitely be very interested. I think there's some great architects who I know have worked in Vegas and done beautiful projects, and I would love to be a part of it. Does design, and I don't mean to be too esoteric because I'm the least esoteric person I know, but does design normally enable function or does function dictate design or is it a mix of the two? I've always not been able to figure that out in my head. Well, in order to have good design, it has to function. So, you know, if you need places to sit, you have to choose a functional chair. But I think aesthetically, it has to look good or you're not going to want to sit in it. So it's it's hard to it's hard to have one without the other. Although there's plenty of times where there's function and absolutely no design and vice versa. As you said that I was just thinking if I was very tired, I really wouldn't care what the chair looked like. I just want to sit down. Right. But what if it wasn't comfortable? What if the function was bad? Very good point. Then but then if the function was bad, then I wouldn't care about that function or the design. I just want a comfortable <laughs> chair. You just go to the floor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you remember your first commission when you decided to transition from actor slash mom to designer slash mom? I do. It was a house in Tarzana, California. The valley. Yes. If I saw it now, I'd say, whew, that was not very good. <laughs> but it was your first. Come on, Chris. It was, it was your my first. first time. And then I got another one with someone who is now, 30 years later, still a very good friend. So that was a little bit better. And then 
then I then I got better. <laughs> Are there, <laughs> <This was perfect. laughs> I grew up in LA, so from my point of view, and I know it's slightly parochial and prejudicial, but I've always thought of the San Fernando Valley, which Tarzana is located in, as being there are areas such as Sherman Oaks, et cetera, that have very distinct homes and neighborhoods and streets. Yes. And there's other parts of the valley that are just flat with no, I'll use a human term, no affect. It's just land and mini malls and tract housing. Yeah, I, I would say there's not, I don't know about now, I haven't been there in many years, but there was not a lot of or any good architecture at the time and <laughs> not a lot of great design, but you know, things change. Right. Have you approached, because I've met people who have from the outside that nondescript house or that nondescript condo or that nondescript cottage, if you will. And yet you go in and it's fabulous inside. In your work, have you encountered clients that are like that, that want to purposely keep the exterior bland and inside give free reign to your creativity? Well, I wouldn't say they purposely wanted to keep it bland. A lot of people just don't care about what the architecture looks like, and they'd rather spend the money on the inside. For me, in general, I think the architecture is extraordinarily important. I think it's important. Your backgrounds are very important. The scale and proportion of things are very important. So if I have just the inside to work with, and it is plain, a plain box, that's great. You know, you just have to create your own story. We have the problem now, as you alluded to it earlier with your Zoom conferences and presentations, COVID has been around now for at least two years, and I may be off, maybe even longer. I've lost track of time, as we all have. How has that affected interior design as more people stay home? Do you find that you actually have more work because people really want to change their digs since they're going to be stuck in it for a while or, or thought they would be stuck in it for a while when this whole thing started? And they will be stuck in it for a while, it looks like. I think it's just the focuses have changed a little bit. I mean, people now know they need a space in their house where they can focus on work or whatever they need to do, that there's no distractions. They need an area that works for the kids. And they've been home so much. They know the things that don't function the way it should. And so now they are creating a function where there was none, or if we're building from the ground up, which most of our projects are, then we have that criteria for sure. And when you start to work with people, and again, I'm asking it from someone who is a little ignorant of some of the processes involved. A friend of mine's an architect, but he's not an interior designer. So once you as an interior designer have a client and you work out what you want to do, and that may be something substantial inside, do you then work with an architect? to develop plans if there's a lot of changes going on from a construction point of view, as opposed to just furnishings, which you can anybody can put up furnishings. But if you're making right. some major changes, room changes, walls coming down, or ceilings lowered or raised, or whatever it is. So how does that work? Do you then work with an architect, and then he gets a general contractor? Or how, does, how does that mechanically work? Really, it depends on the project. If it's if we're called in, and if we're the first to be called in before an architect or, or a contract, we come up with a space plan and make suggestions of this. We could move this wall. We could do that, move that wall. We do elevations. We show what the house would look like. You know, we can do interior architecture. I prefer to work with an architect, but say then we bring an architect on and he develops the plans so that the, 
walls don't fall down. Right. And, um, and then, you know, hopefully we both have good ideas for contractors in that area. And it goes from there. So do you stay with the project from beginning to end? So once you laid out your plan, and you, let's say you get the architect, and then he gets the general contractor and gets all the permits, and then the building people come in and do what they need to do. Are you there throughout the process? And then you come back in and say, okay, this is good, but this needs to be changed slightly, that type of well, thing? We wouldn't, we wouldn't change it after it's done. Hopefully, we're working on it from the beginning, right. so that doesn't happen. Right. I mean, we're a part of the selection of all the background materials, the tile, the floor, the stone. We're involved in all of the layouts of the rooms and the millwork. And in the meantime, we are working on the furnishings package. So we have we have to order that now. We have to order that. Hopefully we order at least eight months before they're going to move in because most things take some even longer than right. that. Unless you, unless you order from Amazon, that'll be there the day after. <laughs> yeah, well, there is that. <laughs> and maybe that's an area of business they should get into as well. Do you find your work, even after all these years, a challenging or is it just fun or is it both? Well, I know people look at interior design sometimes and say, oh, that must be so much fun. You just get to shop, shop, shop. But it isn't about shopping. That's maybe 10% of it. There's so much paperwork. There's so much schedules and drawings and you know, it's a lot of work. So I'd say the creating of it is super fun. The middle part, where which is all the guts of it, is it's not not fun, but you know it's not the funnest part. And then installing everything and seeing it all come to fruition is the best part. You've worked with a lot of clients over the years. Are there any celebrity clients or famous people that you're at liberty to divulge that you have worked with that have really enjoyed the process or have given you a challenging interior design experience? I'd say the most fun. I've had has been working with Sean Hayes and his husband, Scotty Eisnogel. Very fun, very trusting, and a totally enjoyable experience. And they get very involved. They care about everything, but they still trust, which is kind of rare. It is. So they're, they're sort of right next to you going over everything, but they're not second guessing you. You're taking the lead, but they're there as part of the involvement, which makes sense because they have to live with the results. Exactly. And yeah. it's good when people get involved because they do, it's their house. Looking at your career, when did you feel you made it and where you became a, a known quantity in that sense that we mentioned earlier in the beginning, how you were featured in several publications. What was the moment when you knew that you had achieved what you wanted to achieve as far as a certain level of professionalism and knowledge? I swear I still haven't achieved it. <laughs> I like There's that humble. There's so much more. You know, it's like learning to play tennis. You know, you learn, and the more you learn, the more you know you don't know. Right. So I, um, I'm always learning, and I'm always very appreciative of all the press I get. I really appreciate it, but there's always more. You're at the point now where I think even though, and you're very humble about it, but have you reached the point where you feel you could be a mentor to someone? that wants to get into the field of interior design? And have you thought about that, uh, mentoring younger people to be involved in that? Sure, sure. I mean, I have many people in the interior design world who have asked for my help on this and that. And I'm always willing. I'm an open book. I'm happy to share with them anything they need to know. I mean, if I can help, I do. 
I'm going to ask you a question I ask everybody that I can that's in the general field because I've never been able to get an answer. But for whatever reason, Art Deco has always struck me at a certain level that I can't explain. It takes me to a time when I wasn't even around, 30s and 40s. There's just something very striking, both exterior and interior design. There's just something about Art Deco that design and architecture that just immediately takes me to a certain place, which I've never actually been in from a chronological point of view, but just does that. Is there a reason for that? Have you talked about that with somebody else that is, does it strike you that way or is it just me? And I keep asking the question, expecting no, it's an just answer. just you. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> uh, I think it's because it's a very distinctive look where good or bad, now things are, are more kind of homogenous. Right. And, you know, it's lovely or it's strong, but it's not a terribly evocative look unless it's a super traditional and you can t tell it's a period piece. But it's also not just the exterior, but the interior. I know that, for example, on Wilshire Boulevard, I would say east of Fairfax, there are several buildings that are Art Deco uh, yes. architecture. And I look at that and I just want to work in that building. There's something about, and it, well, it takes me to a different era, I guess. It's very strong and it's, it's masculine. It has, and it's distinct. Well, that's me, so I could see why that would be in the center. Yeah, yeah. When I saw you, I go, oh, yeah, of course. He looks like an Art Deco building. Um, <laughs> or an Art Linkletter guy. Who knows? But, <laughs> oh, what the hell? So that, you, you've gotten closer to explaining it to me than almost anybody I've ever talked to about this because. Oh, I, good. Okay. Yeah, so I really appreciate that. Now, in terms of your practice and your business, you mentioned earlier before we started that you're involved in. What did I say? Rugs or carpets or both? I am just developing a rug line with Mansoor Modern. It's really exciting. We have quite a few patterns that are in the works and different colorways. And some are specifically for indoors, but a lot of them are for indoor and outdoor. So it's something that there's a need for. And it's fun. I, like, I had a textile collection that I just sold just before the pandemic hit. And that was fun too. I mean, I really like doing design, not specifically for a project. It's just fun to just have that, your creative juices going and you don't have to satisfy one particular person. Now, these rugs that you're going to develop, are they for use with your clients or are they on a commercial level or even a, a public level where they're going to be sold in stores? How, how is that set up? Well, Mansour Modern is set up as a to-the-trade business, but, you know, people can walk off the street as well and go in and buy it, but it's not, it's not like available at Macy's or something. When you develop that, is there a way you could put a finish on that? So if I drop water on it, it'll just bounce right off and hit me in the face? Yes. Instead of I'm not sure it would hit you in the face. Oh, good. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> to, it can be impervious to many things. That's what I'm looking for, impervious rather than just sort of throwing it back in my face. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, that's good that you're doing that. And when you develop something like that, are you looking for specific color schemes? Is that how you work with rugs? You know, the thing is, the colors come last. First comes the, the design and pattern of it, and then the materials that you're going to use. You're less and less limited now with yarns that are good for indoor and outdoor. Personally, for indoors, I like mohair and wool, but they don't hold up well outside. So you have to choose your materials and then figure out what looks best. I'm going to leave you with the last question, which is actually a question we addressed earlier in our conversation. 
and you agreed that it's almost impossible to figure this out, which is why I'm bringing it back, which is what do you <laughs> think is the future of design? I think the future is more and more reusable and digital. And oh, I wish I could remember the word. My son was telling me today that eventually we'll be in a world where, you know, you just virtually go to your meeting and like your avatar would go to a meeting for you. And I don't know if I like that, but I think the future is definitely going to be very, very different. Well, actually, but I'm not. Re- still want the design. Yeah, I, I'm not really talking with you. It's my avatar that has been doing that. I'm through oh. virtual. Yes, that's how it works. But that's okay. No, that's good. So, well, we look forward then to hearing your discussion with the panel and your exchange of ideas. And it's a great way to end it. My guest has been interior designer Chris Barrett. She'll be a panelist at Design West at the Las Vegas Market in Las Vegas this Sunday, January 23rd from 4 to 5 p.m. Now, for everything about Chris, and it's B-A-R-R-E-T-T, for everything about Chris Barrett, go to chrisbarrettdesign.com. You can follow her on Facebook and Instagram at Chris Barrett Design and on Twitter at C Barrett Design. Chris, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. See you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.